Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome to the local church, the perfect place for imperfect people. To all of our church family online, to Alex and Travis, congratulations on the baby. I'm so glad you're recovering at home. To Aldo and Ashley, we're continuing to pray for you, believing that God will bring a miracle, that there will be healing. To all my brothers at Everglades Correctional, I'm so glad that you're with us again today. Can't wait to see you in a few weeks. To everyone here and to every guest, I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to start today by asking a question in this perfect place for imperfect people. You can be honest, all right? By show of hands, how many of us know someone personally that is really smart, but at the same time, so foolish, right? Point to them if they're here with you. Don't. (laughs) It's me. I'm, I'm gifted, everyone. When I was younger, I got tested academically to see how advanced I was. And when the report came back, it said, I'm gifted. And so I walked around like with this badge of honor. Hey, everyone, I'm gifted. No, no, I I can't participate in that. I'm gifted. No, I, I won't do the jump rope for heart because I'm gifted. No, dad, I will not follow your rules because I'm gifted. It's, it's not that, you know, I was like brilliant or bright. It's just, I had a high IQ, but you wouldn't know that based off some of the dumb things that I've said in public settings, maybe you've experienced it, or some of the dumb things that I've done. And I'm not just talking about silly little things like like losing my way home. Like I've driven there every single day and sometimes I get lost going home or if it's been saying something private, you know, in my relationship publicly that's got me in trouble. I've, I've done a lot of dumb things in my life. And I believed a lot of foolish lies. Like take this for example. I've said this before, but the reality is I'm afraid of butterflies. I'm not not making this up. I have a, a, a irrational fear of these little fluttering butterflies. And so one day my wife and I were at the Epcot Center Flower and Garden Show. And she wanted to go inside the butterfly exhibit. And I said, babe, I'm not going there. She's like, why not? It's beautiful. We can see the flowers and the butterflies and look, they're hatching. I said, babe... I'm not going in there. And she forced me to go in there and I'm walking. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, I'm I'm convulsing. I'm walking slow. She's like, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm afraid of butterflies. Why? That's foolish. So I told her that when I was young, I, I believed this lie because I misunderstood the truth that the the tour guide person at Butterfly World was telling me, I believed that a little butterfly could kill me with the poison in its body. And all of you today know that's foolish. I shouldn't be afraid of butterflies. Here's the crazy thing though. I'm not afraid of caterpillars. Like they're so cute, I let them crawl on my fingers. I think they're magnificent creatures. But when a butterfly comes fluttering around me, I'm fearful. And all of you know that's foolish because we, we understand that, that a caterpillar is basically an undeveloped butterfly, right? That everything that, that that caterpillar needs to become a butterfly is already within them and it becomes released when there is a metamorphosis. I want you to hear this. When there's a metamorphosis, when there's a transformation, here's what happens. Now that that butterfly can go and accelerate faster and higher than that caterpillar ever could. That's what I want to talk about today. I've titled today's teaching, Transformation and Acceleration. 
I want to talk about transformation and acceleration in this context. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. It's up there on the screen. You can follow along in your app. It says this. It says, walk in wisdom. Say wisdom. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. And Ephesians 5.15 says something very similar. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Turn to someone, tell them that. Don't live like fools. I pity the fool. But like those who are what? Wise. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now I know that I'm not alone in this place. I know that many of us, we have believed foolish things. We have done dumb things. We have wasted our time by, by not being wise in this life. And I want, to, I want you to know today, I want to encourage you, no matter how many mistakes, no matter how, many, how many foolish decisions that you have done in your past, we don't need to ask God for more time. Like we read, some translations say, we can redeem the time. We don't need to ask God for, for more time to make up for our mistakes in the time that we have left. No matter how much we've wasted with wisdom, we can see God do far more in our future than all the time we've wasted in our past. I believe that with God's wisdom, we can go further faster. And so we're looking at the book of Proverbs as we continue our year of release. And over the next several weeks, as we open up this book of wisdom in the Bible, and we learn to let go of some dumb things and some foolish habits that we've held onto, I believe that God is going to bring transformation, and I believe he's going to bring it at an accelerated pace. I believe he's going to bring transformation and acceleration. And the time that we have left on this earth, no matter if you're young or old, we can make the best of that time. Do you believe that? Do you want that? If you do, turn your Bible to Proverbs chapter 1. This is what we're going to be looking at. Flip your Bible open right to the middle. If you're in Psalms, go to the right a little. Proverbs 1, 1. It's up on the screen. It says this. It says, these are the Proverbs. Say Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. So if we're going to be looking at this book full of these Proverbs over the next several weeks, we have to understand first, what is a proverb? What's a proverb? And that word proverb in the Hebrew is the word mishal. Say mishal. Not Michelle, mishal, right? So now, now you're prepared for jeopardy if they ever ask that question. Here's what proverb means. A proverb is a comparison. That's what mashal means. It's a comparison. And what the proverbs do is they compare wisdom against the backdrop of foolishness. They're a comparison and they compare wisdom, wise living, to foolish decisions. For example, Proverbs 17.1, it says this. Better a dry crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting in conflict. Anyone here ever eaten three-day-old pizza? Show of hands. College students are like, oh, yeah, of course I did the last week and the week before that. I eat a lot of pizza, and I love leftover pizza. Anyone else? There's something about that. It's cold. It congealed the next morning. You eat it for breakfast. It's delicious. Don't judge me on that. But all of us who've eaten leftover pizza know that, like, around day three, it starts to get real hard and dry, and you bite into the pizza, and it tastes like, like you know, like... I'm eating leather. It's gross. Is that good? Is three-day-old pizza any good? 
No, of course not. And what this proverb is saying is that it is better to only always eat three-day-old pizza than to eat steak and lobster every day and fight. It's better to, to, to eat three-day-old pizza in a family where there's peace, where, where the kids listen and the parents get along and everyone's headed in the same direction. It is much better to eat that three-day-old pizza in peace than to constantly be fighting with those that you love. And for those of us who are experiencing some conflict in our families, we would all agree with that, right? I want my family to be on the same page. I want my children to know how much I love them for them to obey me. I want our marriage to be strengthened. This is what the Proverbs do. They, they compare wisdom against the backdrop of foolishness. And it talks about every area of our life. The Proverbs talk about getting wisdom in, in our relationships, in our health, in our finances, in our habits, in our future, in our money. Continues on, Proverbs 1, 2. It says, their purpose is to teach people wisdom. Say wisdom. The purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline of having wise decisions and putting them into practice to help them understand the insights of the wise. That's what this whole book is about. I want you to understand that. This whole book is about how we can grow in wisdom. And I want to pause right there because I really want us to understand the importance of why we're taking time to talk about this. God, what he spoke to us is good. And God has given us this book in the Bible, this wisdom literature, not for us to overlook, not for us to make little cute signs that we buy at Hobby Lobby and we hang them up in our living room. He gave it to us so that we can grow in wisdom. We need wisdom in this world. Do we have any worshipers here? Make some noise, worshipers. They're like, yeah, just get off the stage and put the band back up. I just want to continue to sing. Listen, if you're a worshiper, can I tell you that wisdom is just as important as worship? But we don't consider it, do we? Any people who love praying... At our first, oh, ooh, like four people. We, we have a group of, of, of ladies who pray. They pray on Saturdays. They love praying. If you love praying, if you know the power of prayer, can, can I remind you that, that this wisdom, this prudence, these proverbs are just as important as prayer. And unless we understand the importance of wisdom in our lives, we won't live the lives that God has created us to live. So I want you to write this down. This is a big idea today. In order to experience life as God intended. Anyone want that? You want to live life the way that God wants you to live, the way that he created you to live? If, if, if we want to live and experience life as God intended, we must do more than live rightly. We must live wisely. We must do more than, than focus on just being righteous, which is being right with God. A lot of us do that. A lot of us, our lives are transformed by Jesus. And now, you know, I just want to live life as a good Christian. And I want to do what the Bible says. And that's good. That's righteous. But we need more than righteousness in this life. We need to learn to live wisely. A lot of the problems we experience in this life isn't the absence of, of righteousness. It's because of the absence of wisdom. Take, for example, 
in a committed relationship. Two people can choose to live righteously. I'm committed to you. I'm not going to mess around with other people. I'm committed to our family. I'm committed to loving you. I'm committed to opening up God's word and, and praying together with you. That's living righteously. That's a good thing. But you know what else will impact that relationship? Wisdom. If the two commit, we're not going to just live righteously according to God's word to be right with him. We're going to live wisely. Take, for example, you know, I'll use myself as an example. I love my wife. I serve my wife. My wife and I, we, we depart, we go on vacations together, we, we go on dates together. My wife knows that I love her, I know that she loves me. She's my number one ministry. I don't put the church before my wife. God will take care of his bride, so I'm gonna take care of mine. And my wife knows that. But if I don't learn how to edit my mouth when I'm publicly preaching, if I share stories of private things, of my wife's beauty habits and her makeup routine and what's happening every day in her life, if I share those things without her permission, that's not wise, is it? No, that's dumb. That's why we're in this series called Wise Dumb. We're comparing what's wise to what is dumb. And we need more than righteousness to live. We need wisdom, right? Okay, maybe some of you aren't married, okay? But, but, but all of us have some form of money in our life. And when it comes to, to money, we can be righteous with that. We can choose to invest the resources God has given us into a place that is not unethical and not illegal, and that is righteous. Some people, they take it a step further. They're saying everything that God has given to me belongs to him, and so I'm gonna give him a tenth. I'm gonna set aside the first tenth and give it to God as a first fruit. I'm gonna give my tithe. And to give a tithe is righteous, right? Yes, it is. But... If you don't know how to use wisdom with the rest of the 90%, what's gonna happen? You're gonna make dumb decisions. You're gonna be broke. Look, I bought a boat. We don't even have a house. What are you doing? <laughs> we need wisdom. And this is why our creator gave us this wisdom literature. He gave us the book of Proverbs so we can learn and grow to be wise because God knows that when we're wise that we'll see growth, that we'll see transformation and this transformation will occur faster than anything we can try to accomplish on our own. It's a transformation and acceleration that comes from wisdom. So what exactly is wisdom? I wanna make this clear today as we start. Over the next several weeks, next week we're gonna talk about foolishness and then we're gonna talk about very specific areas where some of us are foolish and some of us are wise. But what does it mean to have wisdom? I want to talk about that today. Is wisdom the same as intellect? No, it's not. You can be smart and wise, but just because you are smart doesn't mean you are wise. Intellect and education have nothing to do with being wise. Again, this was the picture I was trying to paint at the beginning of today's service. Like my wife, she, she, she gets so frustrated at me sometimes. Like how can someone who's tested so well academically make such dumb boneheaded decisions? I'm like, I don't know, babe, I don't know. When, when we were dating, we'd go on double dates and for many years my wife was uh, 
scared of me opening my mouth in a double date setting. And partially it was because I didn't know how to read a room and I would say things and get my foot in my mouth. I'm like, why did I say that? I'm so sorry. That was part of the reason. But the real reason why she, she didn't want me opening up my mouth when we were double dating is because when I did say something dumb, she would kick my leg underneath the table and I would say, why did you kick my leg underneath the table? In front? <laughs> That's not wise. That's dumb, Right? Wisdom is not the same as intellect. Just because you are gifted doesn't mean you are wise. Now, I want to say the second thing, and, and I want to be very respectful and honoring. I love you. As one of the pastors here, I, I, I love the people in this church, and I honor those who are older than me. But you can be older and foolish at the same time. Being older doesn't mean you're automatically wise. Because all of us know somebody who they're advanced in years, but yet they continue to make the same dumb decision over and over and over again because they're not learning what they're supposed to. They have not applied what God has given to them. So no, being older doesn't necessarily mean being wise. But here's what happens when we see someone who's wise. Proverbs 1.3, it says the purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people to live disciplined Disciplined and what? Successful lives. Who wants that? Man, I want my life to be in order. I want people look at me, that, that, that they see the success of God to help them do what is right and just and fair. When someone is wise, their, their life has order to it. When someone is wise, what they put their hand to succeeds and people look up to them, not primarily because of what they've done, but because of who they are. They make the right decisions. They are kind and they are gentle. This is what happens when wisdom is released upon us. The question is, do we want that? So many people say, yes, I want to be wise, but they don't do the work to be wise. So we need to talk about wisdom and how to get it. The book of James, it talks about two types of wisdom. It talks about the wisdom of God. That's what we're after in this series. And then it talks about the wisdom of the world, which is self-serving, which is, which is you know, internal smarts. And, and ultimately, it accomplishes nothing and it's good for nothing because all it does is serve the self. And I think what happens is we get wisdom confused. We, we confuse the wisdom of God with the wisdom of the world, even though we don't know what the wisdom of the world is, how it's self-serving, self-seeking. But we think the wisdom of the world is like street smarts or common sense, Right? You think of people who, who you consider wise in your life and they have all these little quick sayings. That's not the wisdom of God. Now, I'm grateful for common sense. Anyone grateful for common sense? Come on. We, we live in a world today where common sense is not very common and so people who have common sense, I'm grateful for that. God uses street smarts. God uses the school of hard knocks. I'm just telling you, God will use your common sense but we can't relegate common sense to the wisdom of God. In fact, the wisdom of God is, is more of an uncommon sense. The, the wisdom of God that James is talking about, that Proverbs describes, is a wisdom from God our creator, a, a supernatural spiritual gift of wisdom from God who created everything on how we should live our life. I want you to think about that. 
The one who made everything. He knows the way to live. He knows how everything works. And he releases that upon us through wisdom of how we should live our lives, of, of what we should do. That's the wisdom that Proverbs is going to help us in. So I want you to write this down as we continue to intro this today. I want to give us a working definition. It's not going to be something simple or, or tweetable because it's not comprehensive enough. So I want you to write this down. Here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Say knowledge. We get information, but wisdom is that information and learning how to apply it and the discernment, say discernment, on how and when to apply in life. Let me say that again. Wisdom is the application of knowledge and the discernment on how and when to apply it in life. Proverbs 1.4 continues, these Proverbs will give prudence, wisdom, to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. And so what wisdom is, it's a practical knowledge from the Spirit of God that helps someone know how to act and how to speak in different situations. What wisdom does is wisdom gives us the ability to, to avoid problems in our future and the skill to handle them when they appear in our presence. Wisdom, it gives us the ability to interpret the words and the writings of other people and how we can respond in turn. Do you see how that's different from simple information? It's information with application that comes from the Spirit of God. It's not simple education and information. In fact, a lot of the Proverbs, they liken wise living to the lives of animals. And it's not that the animals graduated summa cum laude from Harvard Law. It's not that the animals, you know, are, are very intelligent. It's that the animals, they understand how life works. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is, is this ability that God has given to us, this knowledge spiritually that applies to real life. And this wisdom is what God wants to reveal to us. It's what he wants to release to us that, that when we have it, there is real transformation that people will look at you and say, where did you get those wings? How did you transform? And how did it happen so quickly? It's through wisdom. Matthew 7, 24. This is Jesus speaking. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like what? Like a wise man who built his house on the rock and talks about the storm. And the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat against that house and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Then verse 26, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine, same situation, same scenario, and does not do them will be like, what? Turn to someone and ask them, are you foolish? Our goal is to become wise. Like a foolish man who built his house, not on the rock, but on sand, and the rain fell, same storm, floods came, winds blew, they beat against that house, but it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus was saying, both heard the word, but the foolish person didn't do anything with it. And, and to paint this picture for us today, it's like us here. There are people who are sitting here. You're seated in church. You're listening. You're writing notes maybe. But some are wise and some are foolish. 
The foolish person doesn't utilize the word that has been given to them. And the problem is, we don't know until a storm comes. Right? Do, do you have that picture? Two people, two individuals, two houses, two lives. And they look the same. Same mental state, same trajectory of life, same business proposal maybe. They both look the same until a storm comes. Until difficulty passes over them. Until a challenge is something that they experience. And I want to let you know, don't wait until a storm comes in your life for you to know what you're founded upon. Because that's what storms do. It may look the same on the surface, but when a storm comes, it reveals what your foundation is. And those who are wise, they, they have built their life upon the wisdom of God's word, which is unshakable, which is unchanging. We just completed a series talking about the, the afterlife and life after death. There's only two things on earth that will live forever, and that is people, and that is God's words. His word will never change. It is a secure foundation for us to build our future upon. And a storm will reveal if our life has been built on the solid rock of his word, or if it's been built on culture truth, which is shifting sand. It's always moving. It's always changing. What is one thing one day, two years later is not the same thing. And it doesn't make you feel secure. In fact, when you build your life upon it, you begin to sink. What are we building our life upon? God has given us a way where we can be secure where we can stand firm. It's his words. But don't be like that second house that simply hears the word and does nothing with it. Because when you don't put it into practice, that's foolishness. And we all know, we've all experienced at some point, we, we all have someone in our mind who has been so foolish and what ended up happening is their life falls apart at some point. And if we want to avoid that, I don't want to assume that everyone here doesn't want to make dumb decisions anymore. If, if we want to avoid foolishness, I want you to hear this next verse. This is the most important verse in all of Proverbs. This is the most important thing you need to understand today. If we want to save ourselves from dumb decisions, if we want to experience an acceleration of transformation where people see that we're different, it comes from wisdom. And so this is where wisdom comes from. Proverbs 1.7. It says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Fear of the Lord, some translations say, is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is where we need to start today. This is how we grow in wisdom, by fearing the Lord. Now, I want you to understand, that word fear is not the word phobia. It's not being afraid of God like I was afraid of butterflies. I'm getting better, okay? I'm facing my fears. I can I sort of be in those butterfly gardens. I still, you know, freak out a little bit, but, but, but I'm growing in it. And how we grow is through the fear of the Lord. And that word fear, it actually means reverence and respect. It's not a, a, I'm terrified of God. Because what a lot of us have been handed down is this improper view of God where he, he's, he's a father, but he's not a good father. 
He's a father who's out to get us. That if, if I mess up, and if I don't come to church, and if I say the wrong thing, and I don't do what I'm supposed to, then God is going to get me. God's going to punish me. He's a tyrant who's out to get me. And if we have that view of God, this unhealthy fear, what it does is it creates a disrespect for God. We can believe in him, but we don't respect him. Why would I follow this God? Why, why, why would I surrender my life to him if he's going to punish me, if he demands all of this? Well, I guess I have to do it, but I don't want to do it. That is not the fear of the Lord that Proverbs is talking about. Remember, Proverbs is making comparisons. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true knowledge, the beginning of wisdom, but fools, it's comparing it. Fools despise wisdom and correction and discipline. And that word fool there, it means someone who's stubborn, someone who's thick-headed. You know some of those people? Someone when you try to present to them the truth, they think it's foolishness. Well, when you try to expose them to God's truth, they belittle it. They deride it. Man, that happens so often in our culture today, doesn't it? When it comes to our faith in Jesus, there, there's so much ridicule for those of us who are followers of Jesus. People are saying, you're going to church on Sunday? Come on, man, it's a day off. Do something else. That's foolish. Why would you waste two hours of your time driving, getting ready, all that stuff? You're reading the Bible? Come on, that's foolish. You're praying that someone would be healed? Why are you doing that? That's not gonna accomplish anything. And there's all this ridicule for, for the followers of Jesus. And the world is saying, we're foolish for believing in what we believe. We're foolish in loving the way God has called us to love and serving and caring for people. But are we really foolish? Again, think about it. Am I foolish for believing that God created everything and he created me, therefore he knows how my life should, should operate. It's foolish for me to follow his ways, the creator for my life, the created. It's foolish for me to, to, to believe that God knows my mind and created my mind and fashioned it all together. Therefore, God knows what's best, what I can put into my mind and what I should avoid entering into my mind. That God made my heart and he wants me to guard my heart. It's foolish for me to guard my heart than to simply give it away to everything, to every shifting sand of culture. It's foolish for, for me to, to, to read this. This, this book written by 40 authors over some 1,500 years where some of the prophecies were written 700 years before they were accomplished in different parts of the world. Like I'm supposed to believe that I'm foolish for reading this, but, but you're, you're wise for, for buying a book on Amazon last week and thinking that's more important? Listen, it's a perfect place for imperfect people. You can read whatever you want to read. You can listen to whoever and whatever you want to listen to. I'm just telling you, you won't go wrong with the word of God. Amen. It's living, it's active, it's powerful. It will transform us. It's where we get wisdom. When, when you belittle someone, when you despise something, what you're basically saying is, I don't need this. I'm above this. I'm closed off to this, right? And that's the fool with wisdom. Truth comes to them. Wisdom comes to them saying, no, no, that's not wisdom to me. I don't want it. And they're closed off to it. 
So the fear of the Lord, because these are comparisons again, the fear of the Lord is the opposite of, of despising wisdom. Meaning that when we fear the Lord, when, when we understand and, and revere him and respect him, we're not closed off. In fact, it wants us, it makes us draw closer to him. And the reason why is because we understand that he is not a tyrant out to get us and zap us with lightning. He's a good father who loves and cares for us. Jesus revealed this to us. One day, someone comes up to Jesus and says, good teacher. Jesus says, hold on, stop right there. No one's good except for God, okay? And he begins to explain the goodness of, of God our Father. He said, if you, being, if you being evil people, imperfect people, will give to your children what, what they ask you, how much more will our Heavenly Father give us his spirit to live inside of us, to lead us, if we ask him? If we being imperfect parents and our children come up to us and they say, can I have an egg or can I have some bread? We're gonna give it to them, right? It, won't God do the same? He's not gonna give us a snake. He's not gonna give us a stone if we've asked for sustenance for our body. This is how good our heavenly father is. And, and understanding that, that's fearing the Lord. And that's the beginning of wisdom. I want you to write this down. Wisdom begins with the understanding, listen, the understanding that God is good and the acceptance that he has goodness prepared for us. Wisdom begins with this understanding that God is good. He's not out to get you. He's not out to, to, to punish you. He's good. And not only that, but the acceptance that he has goodness prepared for us. That's how we can begin to revere him. That in spite of all of our imperfections, he's still a good father. He still loves us and he still has good prepared for us. And when we have that mindset, that is reverence. That is fear of the Lord. That's where wisdom begins. Because let's be honest. When God asks us to do something, there's still always a degree and a dimension of fear in that, right? When God asks you to trust him, at his word, oftentimes we don't know all of what that looks like. His word is just a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, not a spotlight into our future. There's still a degree of, 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 of fear in that. It's scary to, to follow the Lord and his ways into the unknown. But we have to know he's good. We have to know that what he wants for us and where he's asking us to go is good and that will grow not just our faith, but our wisdom. Ten years ago, when we started this church, we just believed that God was good. And we believed that God would do something good out of this obedience of starting a new life-giving church in Broward County. We sold our house. We left our decent-paying jobs. We took a huge step of faith. And to our family... They thought we were stupid. Like, I remember my dad, like, calling me up, son, are you, are you sure? Like, you worked so hard, and now you're going to sell your house, and there's no guarantee that, that this church will grow? Like, you already work in a church. Like, why, why would you leave that? Family thought it was foolish. Now, Pastor Johnny, I love him and Tracy. During that time, other pastors 
who are older than, than me, would talk to Johnny and say, are you sure you really want to follow that 30-year-old? You want, you, want, you want to leave this established congregation and, and, and take a step of faith and hit your cart to that 30-year-old? Johnny, that, that's stupid. That's dumb, Johnny. And Pastor Steve was young, just in college. He, he joined a team where there was no stage, there was no sound equipment, there was not a good salary. And the, 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 the work, the, the labor, setting up and tearing down. But it was worth it for us. Because we asked this question. The question, the fear of the Lord wasn't, if we don't do this, God, if we don't obey you, what, what is he going to do to us? If, if we don't follow this step of faith, is he going to curse us? Is he going to stop being good to us? That, that wasn't the fear of the Lord. The question we asked was, if we don't do this, what goodness of God might we miss on? What, what, what goodness of God might, might, might we, we miss being a part of? What people and families in, in Broward County may not have the hope of Jesus in their, in their relationship and their children if we didn't take this step of faith? What people in our local community may not have simply had food for their bellies, but, but also spiritual truth that transformed their eternity? Next service, we're going to be ordaining two pastors here at the local church, Pastor Danny Pedraza and Pastor Austin Ranton. You know, the fear of the Lord wasn't, God, if we don't do this, are we going to get in trouble? It was, if we don't take the step of faith, what, what young pastors may not understand? may not understand the calling that God has on them. What church plants may not be released? Since then, God has been so faithful. While the world thought it was foolish, according to God's word, it was wise. And this is what I want for us. This is what I want for every person in this church, my familia. I don't want us to make dumb decisions that continue to waste our time and destroy our lives. But even though I want this for us, you have to want it yourself. You, you have to want wisdom. And so if you do, two things I want to challenge you to do as we conclude today. The first thing is this. If, if you want to stop making dumb decisions and being wise, I want to encourage you tomorrow morning to start reading the book of Proverbs with us. Again, the Word of God is living, it's active, it's powerful, it's transformative. And God said in his word that whatever he spoke will not come back to him void. Meaning, whatever he purposed his word to do, it will be accomplished somewhere in someone. The question is, will it be us? I encourage you to, to, to read his word, to let it reset your thinking. 
Romans 12, 1, it says, do not conform to the patterns, to the ways, to the wisdom of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you're serious about stepping out in faith and, and letting go of foolishness, I wanna encourage you tomorrow to start reading the book of Proverbs with us. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs and there's 31 days in this teaching series. And every day we're gonna read one chapter together. And as you read a chapter, I'll take you a few minutes. What I want you to do is to ask God those two faithful questions. Lord, what are you teaching me? Because I believe if we ask God that first question, something on the page is going to pop out. Something that we need for that day or that season is going to be revealed to us. And then the second question is equally as important. It's what do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to apply this today? How do you want me to live this out? And I believe as we do that, as we apply God's word, we're building a firm foundation for our future. And it'll be a transformation that is accelerated over these next 31 days. The second thing, if you want to let go of foolishness and start walking in wisdom, the second thing I want to do as we end right now is I want to pray for you, but the prayer I pray for you, I want you to commit to pray for the next 31 days as well. In 1 Kings chapter 3, we see Solomon who wrote much of this book Proverbs that we're reading over the next month. And Solomon was the son of David. He had just been newly elected as the king of Israel. And so God comes to him in a dream and says, Solomon, you're leading my people. Ask me for anything and I will give it to you. And Solomon, he, he understood that he could have whatever he wanted. He could have had more time to make up for the mistakes he made. He could have had resources and wealth. He could have had victory over his enemies. He could have prayed for anything, but he realized, God, what you have called me to is bigger than me. And so I need your help. I need wisdom to pastor the people that you have put me over. God, would you grant me wisdom? And when God heard that response and God heard that request in prayer, God was so proud. God said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you what you asked for. I'm going to give you an overflow of wisdom. There will be no one on this earth who's as wise as you are. But also get this, don't miss this church, because you asked for wisdom and not money and not victory and not resources. I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for as well. Did you hear that? Here's what I want you to understand today. When we ask God for wisdom, when we pray and ask him for wisdom, a lot of our other prayer requests get answered. Did you hear that? When we pray for wisdom, there's a lot of things that we don't have to pray for because they automatically come. So many of us, we're, we're looking for God to give us something. And I'm saying, if we just have wisdom, wisdom will bring that. Think about what's heavy in your life. Think of what's overwhelming, what you think you can't carry. God can give you wisdom to overcome, to get through that, and to help other people. So if you're praying for, God, give me the right relationship. I'm looking for that right man. I'm looking for that right lady. Pray for wisdom instead that God would give you discernment of how you can be the right person, of, of how you can know with that person just after your pocketbook or after your hearts. Some of us were saying, God, give me leadership. Again, we're gonna be ordaining two pastors today. And the Bible says not everyone should ask for that because the burden of leadership is significant. And so if you want leadership, I'm challenging you, ask God for wisdom. 
God, would you, would you make me wise of how I can watch over these people and care for them and, and organize everything in here? Some of us, we want victory. Pray for wisdom instead. God will give you the right path. God will teach you when to, to open your mouth and to be quiet. Some of us, we want opportunities. We need to pray for wisdom. That God wouldn't just simply open up a door, but as he's opened up the windows of heaven, we have discernment to know that that's not a good decision for me to make. I shouldn't go back to that place. This one seems right, and this seems like it's going to bless me and my family. God will give us wisdom when we seek him. When we seek and we pray for wisdom. So I want you to stand to your feet right now, and I want to pray this over you. And if you're here today and you're saying, I, I want to let go of these foolish decisions. I want wisdom in my life and a posture of just receiving. It's not the blessing from a man of God. It's, it's the word of God developing and growing and empowering you. That's you to stretch out your hands as I pray. Father, thank you so much for this body, your family. Thank you, God, that, that you give us a way to live and that your Holy Spirit makes us righteous from within, but you've also given us wisdom in your word to make the right decisions, to walk down the right path, Father. And so I just pray right now, wherever there's a need, that God, you would pour out wisdom. Wherever there's a separation and family, God, that you would give wisdom. Where there's a difficulty in finances, that you would give wisdom to oversee that, Lord. That you would just pour out your wisdom upon my church family. And this would be the beginning of an incredible journey of transformation and acceleration. That your name would be glorified because of the wisdom that remains on these people in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. And those who believe it shouted, amen. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.